welcome to the Sunday Salon, the podcast that celebrates brilliant books and the women who write them. A bidding war, a screen adaptation by the director who made Chernobyl, and now a place on the bestseller lists. What a whirlwind few months it has been for Abigail Dean and her debut novel, Girl A, which documents the aftermath of the horrific abuse the narrator Lex, known as Girl A in media reports, endured at the hands of her father. Obviously, I was thrilled to interview Abigail. The book is unbelievably gripping, and she has a fascinating story, having worked as a lawyer in her 20s before deciding to pursue her literary ambitions. She's now back to working in law again, while also writing, and I loved hearing how doing those two different things helps her process, as well as how on earth she went from unknown to wildly successful author so quickly. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Abigail, welcome to the Sunday Salon. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, it, it's fantastic to be talking to you. I'm really excited to talk to you because I'm really excited about your book. I think, first of all, the premise is brilliant, but I, I also just found it extremely gripping, which is a hugely welcome quality at the moment, particularly with so much heavy news and uh, major sort of world events, both in terms of the pandemic and in terms of all the, the change in America going on. It's really fantastic to have something that kind of draws you along so tightly. Uh, I wonder if you can just start by explaining a little bit about the book. How would you sum up Girl A? I mean, perhaps let's start with the title. What does what does Girl A mean in this context? Girl A is um, is Lex Gracie, uh, the, the the main character in in the book, and um, Lex, as a child, has managed to kind of escape from her family home, which was dubbed the House of Horrors by the press, um, and she's freed her six brothers and sisters um, and kind of exposed her parents' crimes and become known as Girl A, which is her kind of press name that she has been um that she's been bespoke dowed with and girl a really follows lex 15 years after this escape when she's working in new york as a successful attorney and receives news of her mother's death in prison and although lex has been kind of trying to really ignore the past try trying not to be girl a this event forces her to return uh, to the UK and to reconnect with her siblings to decide the fate of the family home, which has been left to them by their mother in her will. Uh, so Girl A is a kind of, um, it's it's Lex's kind of blessing and curse in a way. It's, you know, it's the identity she has because she managed to escape um, but also it's um, it's a constant reminder the, of her past and a past which holds kind of great, great pain for her and for each of her brothers and sisters. So this is your first uh, novel and it's it's gathered a huge amount of hype and, and it's already in the works being being turned into a television programme with the director of Chernobyl attached. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that and about the strangeness of having that hype, particularly in the context where we are locked down and and all in our homes. But before we get to that, I wonder if I can just ask you about your sort of background and your path to writing this, because you've got a really interesting 
story I mean you worked and you still do work but you were working as a lawyer and then came to this revelation age 29 that you I, I think you said that you you'd lost a lot of your 20s to being behind a desk can you just tell me about that sort of what initially had made you go into law and, and what your life was like as a lawyer yes um I, I I went into law kind of immediately after leaving university and um, I, I think essentially I, I loved working with um, with words and I've, I've always kind of loved loved writing and and arguing to some degree and I think that 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 kind of um, sort of leads I think in a way you know law is a sort of quite inviting profession in in lots of ways um, if those are sort of if you, if you are fascinated by by words and by writing and by kind of interpretation. And I think it was a bit of a case that I sort of went into that around um, the age of, I think, 23, 24. And it was almost a complete, being, being like being completely submerged for six years or so. And I think that the, the nature of the firms that I worked at um, just really meant that it's, a, it's an incredibly kind of um, all-encompassing role. And I think that some of the other things that I kind of really love and writing um, fiction being being sort of key key thing, you know, something I've wanted to do since I was very, very small and throughout my kind of teenage years, I think kind of had to be set aside for that period of time. And I think it's you know, partly because of a, an hours thing, you know, there, there are only so many hours in in, in each day. And also, I think just because the, the job that I was working in was was kind of demanding on a pretty emotional level as well. I think that there is a certain distraction almost that comes with needing to be constantly available. That means it can be quite hard to dedicate your time to, to other things. Um, and it, it was also a period of time, you know, of sort of great like excitement in some ways, you know, it's but there is a kind of real sort of privilege in in flying around the world and working on very very exciting matters but it it does also kind of take something from you as well and the the time when I sort of started to potentially emerge slightly was I think probably around kind of January January February 2018 I'd had a kind of particularly horrendous few months at work, uh, I, I remember very vividly arranging a um, a birthday party for my husband on a Saturday night, which I didn't make. Um, so he, he kind of was, was celebrating at this kind of gathering that I had organised and was not present at. And I, I think I, I just sort of started to see that this was how life was going to be, not just for a period of a few years, but but kind of as a permanent fiction just started sort of started to challenge myself in terms of is this you know do, do you want to be here on your 39th birthday and on your 49th birthday as well and I, I think that was when I sort of started to think hmm, potentially not you know but potentially I need to look at some of the things that I've, I've lost over the last um over the last few years and and actually need to kind of make a change and return to to some of the things that I I, I used to love and haven't had the opportunity to do um, and one of those was writing um which yeah I mean it, it felt like a kind of um a pretty, pretty big kind of risk at the time to take you know time away from work 
um, but I'm obviously very, very glad that, that I did sort of um, come up for air and, and consider whether that was something to return to. Was this your first attempt at a novel or do you have a sort of other kind of aborted um, efforts sort of in a drawer? I first tried to write a novel, and this is sort of potentially slightly embarrassing. I first tried to write a novel when I was sort of 15 or 16. Um, and I actually, during that time, my, um, my grandma picked up a leaflet for a competition that Waterson's was running. And I think they were running it in conjunction with This Morning, um, the, the, the TV show. I, I might be wrong about that. Um, and I, I think that was actually, I think that was probably my first attempt at a novel. It was, you know, this kind of competition prompted me to start, start writing a few chapters. And I think I, I, I did, I was shortlisted in, in that competition um, for, for, I think, the Northwest area, um, which was obviously kind of incredible. Um, but looking back, um, I actually rediscovered a few chapters of that novel kind of over the last few months. And it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty dreadful, to be honest. It's, um, it's, it, it was very, uh, very like overwritten, I'd say, to, 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 put, to put it kindly. So that was my first attempt um, when I was sort of 16 or so. And in the kind of intervening um, uh, kind of years, there was, there was very little, I guess. I, I was always writing in terms of little kind of um, snippets almost of, scenes or of characters but nothing particularly um substantial until uh, until girl a and when you say you were always writing were you a, a bookish child i i noticed in the acknowledgements you you thank your parents for um allowing you to grow up in a house full of stories where did that interest in writing and words come from it was there from a from a really early age um, my, my parents are both um english teachers uh, so they were kind of um, kind of just, just loved books. And I think, you know, they I, I still very, very vividly remember my my dad often kind of worked re- relatively late. He worked quite a way away from where um, where our house was. But he kind of his sort of real role was kind of coming home and, and reading before bed um, for, for many years actually um probably you know, up to the age where you can actually read yourself but there's sort of that pleasure in having somebody still kind of read to you so i i, I guess it's been there for a, for a long time and um i'm i mean i still kind of look back with such affection and sort of joy in in the books that i did read as a child and i remember like i every kind of Goosebumps book um, and Christopher Pike's Spooksville books, um, you know, Roald Dahl and Judy Bloom. Um, you know, I, I just look back on and feel incredible sort of um, gratitude in a way because, yeah, those, those were books that I just felt like were totally all-encompassing as a child. And I just, um, yeah, was an addict, to be honest, from a pretty early, early age. And you studied English at Cambridge um, and had initially considered going into journalism. Uh, but I believe there was a sort of rather an interesting um, work experience at Tatler that you had. Can you can you tell me about that? Yes. Yeah, I, I can. And I, I think um, I, I think as well that journalism potentially um, was something that I, um, I I wasn't kind of cut out for more, more than anything. Um, I, I 
I did um, work experience at Tabla, um, I think the summer after leaving university. And it was, I, I found it quite tough, to be honest. I just, um, I, I, I had this kind of very vivid um, memory of, um, of um, it, was, it was around Paris Fashion Week. Um, and I remember sort of, <laughs> obviously a kind of high, high like pressure point for everybody in kind of the Condé Nast building. And, um, you know, there, there, there were quite a few kind of tasks in, in terms of, you know, running to find um, various type pieces of clothing that certain editors um, needed. Um, I think that, to be honest, it was something that I potentially should have stuck out at. Um, and um, I, I think I was kind of surprised that, um, to, to be asked to, to do stuff like that. But that, that's possibly also my own, um, my own arrogance. And there, there was certainly some roles in law that are that are similar like I, I i certainly made kind of you know coffee at many many different meetings um and, and maybe it was kind of the shock of um the, the shock of actually just being in a very different workplace um, and I, I never did find the socks that i'd been instructed to, to buy either so I, I wasn't even particularly good at my at my assistant role so basically you were anne hathaway and devil wears Prada. It definitely did have a very strong uh, Devil Wears Prada vibe, but you know Anne Hathaway, like she really succeeds, like despite her um, difficult boyfriend. And you know, she, I, I was not that person, so um, I think I would maybe I'd have liked to be Anne Hathaway, um, but but I wasn't cut out for it. No, having having worked in, in glossy magazines as well as newspapers, I I, I can imagine the scenes. Um, okay, um, well, just just going back to the book, um, so you know you've decided to to quit your job um and and you decide to start this book how did you even know where to begin obviously as i said you studied english at university did you kind of google sort of how to write a book or i'm always quite fascinated by how people even know where to begin i um, I, I think i had the idea um and i had a kind of a bit of a deal with myself that if i was going to take um, three months off work I mean between jobs then I had to at least have a premise and have have a start um so I had the kind of um the idea of girl a of, of the sort of um plot in a very vague sense um pretty much just the premise and I I sort of started writing um just before leaving my job um and I, I decided that I was going to try to be pretty strict with with the time, and that if I was going to kind of have this um, this kind of period of three months, I, you know, it wasn't going to be a luxury. It was going to be kind of like a new job um, for, for that for that period of time. So I, I would just really kind of take myself off to the local library um, every day in the sort of illusion of a commute, and. Um, to just try to write and I, I had a vague idea of how long a novel needed to be I, I definitely googled definitely googled that and just sort of went from there to be honest and it, it was just a case of, of keeping going and keeping kind of walking to the library um, that there tended to be the same characters at the library every day which was a real kind of comfort I mean it, it did feel like a sort of little workplace in some ways um, and, and yeah there, there started to be a kind of real pleasure in that um in that period of time um and one of the the hallmarks of the book is you you sort of move between the present day and the past and 
um, rapidly moved between the two, actually. And and it's, um, I mean, obviously the flashbacks to the past, you, you know, you can tell from the House of Horrors that they are pretty grim and, and, and sort of really quite disturbing and upsetting some of the some of the the scenes and I I wonder did you did you do research into real crimes real instances where um children had been mistreated and kind of held captive to some degree yes um in terms of one one of the kind of key things that I wanted girl a to to sort of um to, to address was that that idea of the the moments behind particular headlines. So I think there was there was some focus kind of on um, on particular true crime cases on you know the, the West case being this kind of you know significant sort of press event. Um, more recently on um, on on the Turpin case in the US, I, I didn't go much beyond the, the headlines that those kind of cases had raised. Um, for the most part, I, you know, I wanted that you know, it's a book about kind of the, the Gracie family and, and Lex and, and her siblings. But I, I did want to kind of think about how those headlines, um, you know, in a way that the, the events and the moments and the kind of small sufferings behind them was something I, I kind of wanted to, to think about and then how they kind of become condensed into, in, into articles um, in a way, many of the kind of characters in Girl A, um, you know, have become obsessed to a degree in how they are represented in the press and how they either manipulate or are manipulated by um, the, the media, depending on the, the particular sibling. And um, the idea, the sort of the basic premise, was there, can you trace where that came from? Was there a moment that you that you had it because it is I mean it's really it is really clever because it does just make you think of all those stories that you see in in the papers and and the legacy they have where people's um reported their their sort of pseudonym their reported name their equivalent of girl a lives on online and then you know so of course do do the pictures and and so so forth um it, it is really clever and it does really ring true can you remember where that that came from. I don't know if there was um, there was ever a sort of um, epiphany kind of moment um, when it all fell together. I, I think it was more a case of thinking about these kind of very, um, in a way, disparate things. So there was the idea of kind of sibling relationships that I was kind of often thinking about, and I think that kind of came in conjunction with the idea of, of true crime. And I, I think particularly the sort of rise of true crime over the last five, 10 years in terms of, you know, making a murderer and um, serial, um, my favorite murder. I, I think that I, I've certainly been somebody who has, um, who has watched and listened to a lot of kind of true crime media. And one of the things that I think is quite kind of strange about true crime is there tends to be generally a focus on the events itself. And then there's a sort of, in a way, a, a full stop. And I certainly wanted with Girl A to, to think about, well, that there are, there are months and, and years after the, that the crime itself is, is, is over. And I, I mean, one of the 
one of the things about Girl A, I guess, is there's never any sort of doubt or intrigue into the um, into the the perpetrators of, of of the crime, into Lex's parents. You know that 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 story is pretty much closed in the in the first kind of opening pages. But I I wanted to have that kind of thought thought think about how the victims of a case. Um, victims kind of being a problematic word in some senses. I think it's definitely a word that Lex um, w- w- would not want me to be using um, into kind of how they continue to, to, to live. Um, and I, I think that that also has enabled Girl A to be, to be about hope, I think, as well as being about suffering. And I, I, I think that the, the real focus is on the idea that Lex is this kind of intelligent, um, pretty inspirational kind of, character and i think looking beyond the crime allows her to become to become that to become something beyond what happened in the in the house of horrors yes you now work for google and you fitted in in fact you finished off writing the book while working for google in you're working on your next novel can you just tell me a little bit about doing both first of all why you've made the decision to do both but but also what your sort of routine is in terms of juggling a busy job with writing? Yes, so I, I, I love both. Um, and I, I found that um, g- g- as a general rule, I, I think being a lawyer helps with my writing quite a lot. I, I think it's a combination of, um, I, I like being kind of um, out there in the world, kind of you know, in a normal year. <laughs> Talking, um, talking to people and and kind of interacting on, on a professional basis. I, I I really do like I like that. I like having colleagues and um and experience of of being in the office. Um, and in terms of kind of writing, I guess it, it goes back to that point that I think law does force you to be very very precise with words. Um. I tend to work a lot at kind of drafting um, and negotiating contracts and that really does invite you to be kind of specific and to consider every term because you never know what might end up um, in in court one day I mean hopefully not but it, it's always kind of the you know the, the risk of interpretation is always there and yeah but that that that, that, I, that feels pretty close to, to writing in a way you, you know that if you're to use ambiguity is you, you should be aware of it you know you should have the different ways in which something um something might be read so i, I think those two things they they feel compatible to me um at present the the, the law and and the writing and I, I feel pretty lucky um at, at present to be able to do both of them um <laughs> the routine is uh it, it is a bit up in the air I, i'd say um i Hours um, vary, um, both kind of writing and and at Google, and um, it's a case of really just writing whenever I can. Um, for me, one of the the only kind of good things about um, about COVID, potentially the only good thing actually, when I am um, if I'm trying to think of more, I'm I'm struggling. It, it is having more time for writing. Um, so in terms of the weekends are are, are relatively um kind of quiet quiet times um, and as of the evenings so that's more just just pure more time for 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 trying to write and for you know getting in an extra hour um 
but I, I don't have the sort of structured routine that I think some writers um, manage to, to, to grasp. I think I'm a bit more all over the place, to be completely honest. When you sit down to write, sort of how long, kind of how long are your bursts of writing? It, it depends. In an evening, maybe kind of what one or two hours at the most. Um, and I'd say at weekends, I try to secure some um, some kind of bigger chunks of time. Um, and I, I think it's, it's that really strange thing where sometimes in, in an hour, I think you can just have a fantastic, um, you know, hour of writing and and, and almost feel very satisfied with what you've done. And um, I, I think other times I've sat at a desk for four or five hours, um, written maybe, you know, 300 400 words you know which is about a page or so um I, I i wish that i i had a kind of more like a greater consistency but um aside from just trying to show up um i i, I don't think i do <laughs> and am i right in thinking you keep books around you in case you get sort of writer's block Yes. Um, yeah, I, I do have, um, it, it drives my, my husband absolutely crazy because it's just a total kind of chaotic um, mass of books generally sitting on my, um, uh, on my desk or on the kitchen table. Um, so yeah, I, I do try to, to keep a kind of um, group of books around me. Um, so if, if, if things are kind of not going well, or if I'm just kind of struggling for, for you know, to, to write anything I find it really really helpful to just open another book um and generally I try for that to be a book that it has some sort of relevance to what I'm writing and that might just be kind of like the tone of a scene or it might be you know a particular kind of moment of tension or, or something to, just to sort of understand how another writer has has done something and almost to try to I guess to try to sort of create that atmosphere in your own mind um, th through another book and, and then to kind of return to the writing um, and see if that, if that has assisted in any way. And I think usually it does. Um, and if not, you know, at least you're spending 10 or 15 minutes reading something wonderful rather than um, just staring at the wall or, you know, <laughs> Googling something completely irrelevant. Can I ask you about um, the, the sort of path from having this manuscript to it getting published to it now being turned into a TV show? What did you do when you when you finished the book? Uh, so I, one thing I've kind of found really strange is that I don't really remember finishing um, the book because looking back of all the kind of moments um, of of sort of um, celebration to, to me that now seems like it should have been the greatest one you know actually finishing and I I just have no recollection of um of kind of completing the, the novel <laughs> at all just slightly disappointing because you know there, there, sh there should have been um, there should have been champagne at least um <laughs> and I, I I don't recall that so I, I I guess I finished at some point um and I um uh, the, the, I, and when I say finished, I, that, that was also kind of finishing the, the editing process as well. Um, and I, I'd kind of been editing quite a bit as I went along. Um, and yeah, finished. And I, I sort of started then to, to, to look into agents that I, that I might send it to. And it's one of those things that, you know, that, that seems like the natural kind of 
progression, like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll see, see what agents think about this. Um, I, I sent the novel out to about kind of five or six agents and, you know, did that thing where off goes girl A and then, you know, you, you refresh your inbox for the next um, kind of week, you know, with in like an absolutely kind of crazy, um, <laughs> crazy frequency. And I was very lucky to kind of hear that, that three agents were um, interested in Girl A. And um, I, I sort of went, went from there. And it kind of, it kind of I think it's one of those things that spirals slightly. So I, when I, you know, when I finished Girl A, my expectation was just really, well, you know, maybe I'll self-publish it. Um, you know, it'd be really cool if one or two people would read this, um, this, this novel. That would be amazing. And then I think, you know, some agents are interested and you start to think, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this could actually, could it could actually sell. Um, and I, I ended up going with Juliet Mushins, um, who is um, just kind of the most amazing kind of like inspirational uh, woman. We then worked on the novel uh, together for three months or so. And that was one of the biggest kind of, um, the most kind of amazing things about thing about Juliet was that she she had so many fantastic ideas um, as to how the novel could be made better, um, which which I really really liked that that idea that it it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't perfect it wasn't ready to go to publishers it, it needed work, so th- that was sort of the summer of um, of twenty eighteen so we spent kind of editing um, I, I the, the novel changed quite a lot in that period. And then it, then it went out to, to a list of, um, of publishers uh, in sort of September of, of that year. Um, so it was, it was another another Gmail refreshing uh, refreshing period started then. And so obviously it is out now. What about the television adaptation? I mean, that's really exciting. It sounds really um, sort of glam and show busy, but of course we've been in in lockdown now for sort of absolutely ages on and off so all this exciting stuff that's going on at the moment is is happening with you just at home unable to sort of see anyone um tell me how how that came to pass that 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 was um i mean that that i agree that's still kind of this um incredibly exciting um slightly unbelievable um thing that girl a could be um could be a TV um, series. I think that's especially the case because I am a real TV addict, um, and, and limited series are kind of my absolute favourite um, of the sort of TV structures. You know, Sharp Objects and Patrick Melrose and various kind of amazing, um, amazing series that have been on over the last few years. Uh, it, it 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 happened um, kind of to be honest as a real um, a real sort of shock. So um, my agent. Um, works with a um, a film agent uh, in um, on the west coast in the U.S. and there was a uh, kind of auction for the the TV rights, which took place relatively shortly after the um, the, the, the the publication auctions had taken place. And Sony won that auction, so they um, they, they essentially kind of bought the the TV option. And a few months after that, um, I, I woke up to an email that said, you know, Johan Renk, uh, who directed Chernobyl, has read Girl A and loves it and 
is very interested in, in, in potentially turning this into a, in, into a uh, limited series, which is just not the email you expect to wake up to like every day. I mean, I usually get like a few bank statements and like an Amazon receipt. Um, so that was an interesting morning. Um, and, you know, I, I think that one of the things that, that I loved so much about Chernobyl was the, the sort of mix of brutality and beauty in that series. You know, it, it, it's so beautifully shot. Um, you know, there are some scenes, I'm thinking, I think, particularly of the scene on the bridge of death, you know, they are really kind of disturbing um, events are being depicted, you know, some kind of people unknowingly standing beneath the sort of snowfall of, uh, of nuclear materials, but they're shot with such kind of beauty. And I think that kind of combination, I think, in terms of Girl A, where there are some very, very dark events, but there is this real kind of hope and tenderness between the characters. I think that tension will just be, um, it is, it's just kind of perfect. And I, I just feel, yeah, very, very um, surprised and that the whole thing is incredibly surreal. But, but yeah, seeing, um, seeing the Gracie family on, on television would be, would be, I think, kind of beyond the dreams, to be honest, in a way, I think kind of finishing the novel was the dreams. So this is, a, this, this goes kind of slightly beyond that. Well, I'm really happy for you because um, it's. I think it's very warranted, and 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 I, I have to say, reading the book, I, I think I said to you before we started recording, I'm, I'm not at all surprised because you can see it as a, a television show unfolding. I'm I'm going to let you go soon because I've taken up quite a lot of your time. But before I do, I just want to ask you one final question, which I ask everyone who comes on, um, which is if you could go back and, and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? It would be keep writing, I, I, I think, and don't lose track of um, of the thing that you, you really, really want to do. I think that there are so many things which become, which kind of are intimidating and which I think, you know, if you are a young writer, make you think that you're not good enough or you're not somebody who, um, who you know, w- will be successful or you're not kind of what a writer is maybe, um, you know, meant to, meant, meant to be, you know, in, in particular circles. But I think it would, yeah, it would be to ignore all of that and, and focus on, on the writing, you know, and the love of that and the love of books, because I, I think that's what will, what will get you through. That's fantastic advice. And a great note to end on. Abigail, thank you so much. You've been such a a joy to speak to. I found it really, really fascinating. And, And to everyone listening, Girl A is out now. So thank you very much for listening to The Sunday Salon. Please do share your thoughts about the episode with me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alice Zania. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please do think about leaving a rating or review because it really boosts the number of people who see the podcast and therefore boosts its chance of success. So until next week. Thank you very much and goodbye.